Let's get this out of the way, just in case I haven't made myself clear in the last couple of weeks. All of those positive defensive vibes I was throwing out there following OU's wins over TCU and Kansas State were idiotic. I was wrong to think the Sooners defense had flipped a switch and somewhat figured things out. There may be those of you who listen to this podcast that were scoffing at my opinion on the matter, and you were right to do so. To those who were with me, I'm sorry for getting your hopes up. Coming away from Saturday night, you could convince me Oklahoma has not just the worst defense in the Power Five, but the worst defense in all of college football. Is that true? No. That's me just being emotional. However, the Sooners may very well have the worst Power Five defense in all of college football right now, and I've got the numbers to back it up. Over the last three games, and let me remind you, these are games in which Oklahoma won but allowed 40 or more points to Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Kansas. Over the last three games, OU is giving up 44.3 points per game. National rank 122, fifth worst in Power 5. OU is allowing 545 yards per game. National rank 125, third worst in Power 5. OU is allowing 7.3 yards per play. National rank, 123, third worst in Power 5. OU is giving up 6.2 yards per rush. National rank, 122, fifth worst in Power 5. And OU is allowing a whopping 347 yards passing per game, which ranks 130th in the nation, dead last. Yes, there are 130 total teams, and OU is in the bottom 10 of all of those categories I just listed off. And just to rub salt in the wound, that pass yards allowed per game stat, again, the Sooners are dead last, and it's by a wide margin. OU's giving up 15 more yards per game through the air than the second worst team in the country. Meanwhile, the offense is humming along. OU's in the top 10 in the nation in every one of those stats I just listed, including first in points per game, yards per game, and yards per play. Has there ever been this big of a gap between one football team's offense and its defense? I've heard the term high standard a healthy amount when Kyler Murray talks about the offense. Lincoln Riley has talked about how he holds his team to a high standard, therefore he has the same mantra for himself and the coaching staff. It's abundantly clear that the standard for Oklahoma's offense is set as high as ever. Oklahoma's defense has no standards. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Quarterback draw all the way. Design draw, yeah. Why not? Look at him go. You're not going to catch him. That's why Kyler Murray is the best player in college football. You got that right, Tim Brando. Kyler Murray takes it 75 yards to the house, giving the Sooners a 41-24 lead over Kansas in the fourth quarter Saturday. Murray was 21 of 32 for 272 yards, two touchdowns, one not great interception. And Murray added eight carries for 99 yards and an additional three scores. OU beats KU 55-40. Hey everybody, I'm Lee Benson. Welcome to West of Everest. 
Coming up on the show, my favorite segment, three-word reviews. Once again, we've got a bunch of them to share here on the podcast. A lot of you quite creative and also just really mad at the defense. Again, we'll read those later on and also share our three-word reviews. A reminder is to subscribe on iTunes if you have not already. Feel free to leave us a rating and or a review. A big thank you to all who have taken the time to leave feedback for the show. And also a special shout out to the person in New York City who recently left a five-star rating and a review. One of my best friends lives in New York, but I'm pretty sure this is not him leaving the rating and review considering he's not a big Oklahoma fan. He actually went to Wisconsin, so he's on Wisconsin. Again, awesome that we've got listeners all around the nation. The Oklahoma network is wide and strong. Also, like the show on Facebook. Follow Grant on Twitter at GrantBenson25. You can follow me at LeeBensonNews9 and email the show westofeverest at gmail.com. With that, let's bring in Grant for the first time today. Grant, it's Sunday morning for us. Perhaps for the listeners out there, it's Monday, depending on when you listen to the podcast. How's it going, Grant? Oh, it's going. How's everyone feel out there today? Kind of a weird little situation we got going on here in the OU football program, huh? They're 10-1, and but man, they sure have the look of a team that kind of feels like they're in disarray. Uh, kind of. I mean, on one side of the football, they're in, they're in massive disarray. If there's anybody out there right now that's going to try to be positive somehow about the defense, wow, I kind of want your outlook on life because I just don't find any anything positive about the way the defense is playing. And Sure, you could say that Texas was rock bottom. That's what got Mike Stoops fired ultimately. But giving up 40 points to Kansas at home on senior night, if, if there's any game that wasn't a loss but feels like a loss, the last, I mean, the last three games, honestly, have kind of felt like that. But this one, probably the most of all the three. Would you say that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I just... It's hard to to get across, and and man, we tried to do it on our on our uh, midday pod this past week. It's really hard to get across how bad of a team Kansas is. Lee, Oklahoma made them look downright competent on Saturday, especially on the, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Lee, that that is the worst offense Oklahoma has faced this season, and they they put up 530 yards on them, and you know, averaged nearly 10 yards per carry. That's insane. That that is absolutely insane. There's really nothing you can even say about it other than that's just atrocious. Well, I'm trying to get some sound bites prepared. I unfortunately forgot to email it to my my work phone, which I'm doing at the moment. I have some sound bites from Lincoln Riley after the game. I also have some sound from Ruff and McNeil as well. I think that would be a, a good starting off point if I can just receive them on my phone here. Uh, until then, let's see. Let's look at the the rundown that you so uh so greatly put together so the first question you want to ask what was wrong with the defense this time <laughs> uh you were you were gracious enough to to go back through and, and give this a nice strong rewatching. i gotta admit for the first time all season long i didn't do that with this game i saw the game I was at work on Saturday night. I was doing a, a thousand things at once, getting 
highlights for the game cut. I had to worry about the Thunder game as well and do all this other stuff. So I watched the game as closely as I possibly could. I didn't find it that uh, important to go back through and really watch it that closely because I got done with work around 1.30 a.m. And I thought, you know what? I put so much time into watching back tape of this Oklahoma defense. It gets to the point where I feel like I'm watching more film than Oklahoma's defense actually and their coaching staff. So, you know, what? If it seems like they're not watching a whole lot of tape on their opposing offenses. So, you know, why should I watch tape? So I said, screw it. I'm not going to watch anything. You did, though. So to answer your own question that you put in the rundown here, Grant, what was wrong with the defense this time? I mean, there was a, there's a lot of issues, Lee. And I guess if I had to rank them, and Lincoln Riley actually did say this at, at, at the end of the game, tackling was the biggest issue. It really was. It was terrible. The worst it's been in any game this season. The amount of times that they had Puka Williams for uh, no gain or a loss or maybe a gain of a yard or two, and then it turned into a, a bigger gain, like a chunk play, you can it, you need two hands to count them on. It, it was that bad, and Lee, it's it, it's really hard for me to uh, to pin that on anything else other than effort. They didn't it didn't look like they played very hard. Just the the effort was awful and the execution was awful. There isn't one good tackler on this roster, not a single one. Man, I'm blanking on the former Sooner. Did you see the tweets on Saturday night? I, was it Rufus Alexander? I think. I think it was Curtis Lofton. Curtis Lofton. Okay, I knew it was a linebacker. So Curtis Lofton, I'm looking at it right now just so I, I make sure I, I quote it correctly. I believe he was questioning the effort. He, uh, okay, so not necessarily the effort, but Curtis Lofton at, at times on Saturday night, of course, great Sooner linebacker. He just tweeted out simply embarrassing with a emoji of a face kind of looking sad. And he also tweeted out, I just wish the guys who want to hit and fight people after the whistle blows would use that same toughness during each play. Then he hashtagged Oklahoma football. So that's kind of a effort thing somewhat. So it's interesting to see. We talked about Dusty Dvorak, our last podcast, and his, his anger at the Oklahoma defense. Another former player, another former really good player on defense, also voicing his displeasure publicly. I have that Lincoln Riley sound now. Here's Lincoln Riley after the game. He talks about tackling. He talks about a lot of things. And and in general, he starts off by saying that, saying the thing that we all know, Oklahoma didn't take a step on Saturday night, didn't particularly win very impressively over a bad Kansas team. Obviously, we didn't take a step this week that we expected to take. So, you know, I can't sit here and say that, you know, say something that's not true. We didn't take a step that that I felt like we would take. Um, we felt like we defended the run well all year. Uh, and we really put a lot of emphasis on our pass coverage, which, again, thought was better. And then we, we kind of sprung some new leaks, really. Um, but it, no matter teams are throwing it, running it, it don't matter. you got to tackle. At the end of the day, you have to tackle. We have guys there. We have we have a lot of times calls that should be shutting things down. Where free guys are there to make plays that we get, we got to go make them. And uh, we're playing a little too hesitant, not playing as aggressive as we need to play uh, as far as triggering and making plays. And if you do that against really good athletes in space, you're gonna you're gonna pay. And we did tonight. So I still feel like there's capability in that room to get it done. But obviously, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to play much better than we did. We're gonna have to tackle much better than we did. So Lincoln Riley on 
the defense for the most part because the offense is awesome. The offense continues to play at a high level. So here's something that I'll throw out there when it comes to tackling. And this has been an issue all season long. And I, I think we saw some improvements when Ruffin McNeil took over in the first couple of games. But now as we have more information to go through, that was probably more Oklahoma again playing against a bad TCU offense and a bad Kansas State offense. Granted, statistically, this Kansas offense is worse than those two teams. And, and Kansas just looked great specifically Puka Williams, who we we talked about last podcast. We said he's a nice player. He's best player on Kansas's offense, and he went for over 250 yards rushing and two scores against Oklahoma, which was – it was shocking to me because the one thing that, that we have said consistently ever since Ruffin McNeil took over is that Oklahoma's been able to stop the run okay – it's it's been a it's been a serviceable run defense when they've gone to that even man front. And last night, that so much for that theory because Puka Williams just gashed Oklahoma and Kansas averaged, oh my goodness, Kansas averaged almost 10 yards per carry last night, Grant. It's all that is incredible. I mean, Oklahoma averaged more than 7 yards per rush, which is which is incredibly good too almost 10 yards per carry Kansas what was going on with the run defense last night it was just bad everyone in the front seven we had an atrocious game nobody played well and I'm and I'm I'm being dead serious there when they did when they were in a position to make a play they very rarely made one um let's see I, I guess if I if I have to start talking about individual players I thought the defensive ends last night were generally really bad, especially keeping contain on the outside. How many times did Puka Williams get outside Kenneth Mann and Ronnie Perkins? A lot. Ugh. A lot. Yeah, that's um, unacceptable. I guess, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's unfair to just to point at just two guys when everyone was terrible. But, man, Kenneth Mann's lack of natural talent, I think, this season has been just very apparent with Oboe gone. Um, I mean, he got he got dominated by Kansas's right tackle pretty much all night, especially in the run game. Was just being sealed off everywhere. I was really just no threat to make a play at all last night. Um, and what can I say about the linebackers other than just their their tackling was awful, was just so awful. Uh, Curtis Bolton, especially on that one uh, where he had Puka Williams wrapped up for about three or four seconds and then let him go, turned to turned to play that should have been. You know, no gain or a loss of one into a gain of like eight or nine yards and 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 really kept the drive going. Uh, just a lot of crap like that. I mean, it was just, uh, it, it, it really was the look of a defensively that hit rock bottom. And you hear Lincoln Riley talk about how he expected them to take a, to take a step and how just some, some leaks, new leaks sprung up. Lee, you don't perform like that in the game on Saturday night without, what you do in practice the week leading up to it dictating that. I mean that you you come out playing like that because of what you did in the week leading up to it. There's everything needs to change about what they're doing on defense. Everything. It's just they're soft. They're a soft defense. It's a soft defense and it's a defense that has zero confidence every single one of them and it's a defense where at the start of the season, of course, you have a lot of young guys and they've never played college football and, and they're incredibly confident coming in. And then as the season has progressed, things have gotten worse. And I think you said something when Mike Stoops got fired that was really good. You mentioned that 
every single game up until he got fired, the Oklahoma defense got worse. And immediately we saw improvement for two games. But now, after the last three games, we've seen Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Kansas. Okay, two of those offenses are pretty darn good. And Oklahoma State's offense is, is hitting on all cylinders. We saw them knock off West Virginia on Saturday. And just a quick sidebar, Oklahoma State only had 14 points in the first half. Something interesting I heard from Mike Gundy and Taylor Cornelius after the game. At halftime, they admitted that they made some halftime adjustments and scrapped their offensive game plan, did something completely different, just went four and five wide, spread everything out, and just took what the, the defense gave them. And the fact that Oklahoma State was willing to just change up the game plan like that, scrap it and do something different, and it worked incredibly well, and they came back and beat West Virginia, is a, I got to give credit to Mike Gundy for just saying, whatever, let's, let's make a huge change. Uh, and it worked. So Oklahoma State's offense is going well. But Kansas, Kansas' is, is offense has, has been – bad all season long it's it's still been bad after they fired Doug Meacham a month ago more than a month ago and Oklahoma's defense made it look fantastic and it's gotten worse since that Kansas State game since you know all starting at Texas Tech and you mentioned that Curtis Bolton play when he didn't wrap up or he didn't get Pooh Williams to the ground Ruffin McNeil was asked about that play after the game and Here's what Ruffin McNeil had to say uh, just in response to what happened on that play when Curtis Bolton, and it seemed like his teammates were there to get Puka Williams for a no, no gain or a loss of yards, and then Puka Williams ended up getting something like eight or ten yards on the play. Well, you know, we, we thought we had a pretty good call. We thought we had bodies in position, and then it comes to making the finish of play. Um, you know, I'll watch the tape and see something we could have done maybe differently. But I thought we had enough people there in gaps, enough bodies there. But he made a great run, and uh, I'll watch it better, and I'll, I'll do the best job I can make sure I coach it better. So I have at least two or three thoughts after that. Uh, my first thought is, what would, what would Nick Saban have to say after something like that? Would he, would he have an answer anywhere close to that, or would he say something along the lines of, that was horrible. We got to get him to the ground. He heard about that immediately when talking about Curtis Bolton and the rest of the team, as opposed to, I got to watch the tape. I got to coach better. Uh, Ruffin McNeil clearly is a player's coach, and he's a coach that consistently takes all the blame himself as the coach. And to some extent, that's fine. That's his job. He's the coach. He's responsible for the players, and I get that. But when you keep seeing the same mistakes over and over and over again on the field, talking about how you got to watch the film and you got to coach better and the guy's got to practice better becomes useless language. They played 11 games. What are they doing in practice every week? You know it's bad whenever you could legitimately make the argument and say, I'm not so sure this team even practices. That's how embarrassing it, it looks on defense. Uh, but offense practices, clearly, the offense is the best in the country. Again, the standard is incredibly high. So the fact that Ruffin McNeil continues to just take the blame and it's on him, it's on him. Okay, good on him. But at some point, the players have to take ownership of the way they've been playing. And you and I have been a big 
we blame the coaches more than the players because we just don't think the coaches have put the players in a good spot, not just this year, but previous years. And I still believe that's true. But at some point, though, whenever the players keep hearing, oh, as a coach, it's my fault. I got to coach you better. I got to coach you better. At some point, it might creep into the player's psyche that, yo, I messed that play up. But uh, yeah, maybe, you know, I just wasn't coached right in that play. So yeah, you know, I whatever. I'll just forget it. And the whole thing that Ruffin McNeil says is, you know, the whole Fido thing. I'll just forget about that and, and drive on. Well, you know what? It's it's not great to forget about things that you need to learn from. Because if you forget something, you're going to make that same mistake over and over and over again. And Ruffin McNeil is one of the nicest guys ever, it seems like. And you, you root for the guy. But it's becoming increasingly clear that, man, he's he's lost. He doesn't know what to do. Lincoln Riley doesn't know what to do defensively. And there's zero chance this defense is going to get any better. And the only way this defense can get stops is if the opposing offense makes mistakes or if Oklahoma's defense gets lucky. And that is that's incredibly sad. I mean, that is so bad because it's become a sieve of a defense. This is a get-right defense. If your offense looks like crap, play against Oklahoma, and you're going to start feeling really good about yourself. Yeah, Lee, and I think a lot of this just speaks to culture. Um, you don't – I think it's very obvious now – that the culture within this program on defense is just do enough to get by. Um, and I think we have all of the evidence in the world this season to point towards that. The, the culture of defense in this program is completely, completely broken. Um, and, and you're right, Lee. You, you bring up the fact that it looks like they don't even practice. I can promise you they don't practice physicality in practice. I'm sure they do not tackle at all. I'm sure their entire practices are built around the offense. And that needs to change. They, they, this is what happens when you do that. Um, and it's, it's to the point now where it's, it's hard not to say anything other than they have a defense full of just not very good college football players, but I, how is that on anyone other than the coaching staff? They're taught to be this bad. You have a bunch of guys who are very highly sought after coming out of high school. They didn't all just forget how to play football coming into this program. These are kids. These are talented kids coming into a program that has a broken culture on defense. And it's, they need a complete reset, a complete drastic shift in, in how things are done on defense, from philosophy, mindset, and especially practice. They need a full reboot, a complete full reboot yeah, I've heard uh, built a, around being sound and most that's of been all brought tough. up earlier this season because they that are I've always kind of thought right is, I'm not so sure how much I buy into that, but after watching more and more of this Oklahoma football team this year, I definitely buy more in. Looking at Michigan. And the argument, I can't remember who it was from, but those who like Michigan, those who plug Michigan, and Michigan obviously is a very good football team this year. And and I'll, I'll say, I'll do it right now, I'll uncross them off because Michigan Michigan beats Ohio State. Michigan's going to be in the playoff, as they as they should be. I mean, Michigan's a, earned that if they go and beat Ohio State, especially at the shoe. But the thing with Michigan that, again, it's a theory that I've kind of, kind of poo-pooed a little bit, but now I buy more into, is Jim Harbaugh, he's a hard-nosed guy. His offense is based around running the football. We're going to beat you up. We're going to come after you. We're going to out-physical you. We're going to be more tough than you. We're going to run you over. And that culture of Jim Harbaugh, that, that mentality, it seeps not into the offense, but also into the defense. And that Michigan defense is incredibly tough. It challenges oppo- opposing offenses. They say, 
come at us, come beat us, we dare you. We don't think you can do it. And Michigan was challenged against an Indiana team that that's able to move the football. It's a, it's an okay Indiana team. The Big Ten is, is garbage this year, in my opinion, as is most of college football. But Indiana has the ability to stretch a defense a little bit. And Michigan still was able to get out of there with a W. And when Michigan's defense needed to, it buckled down and Indiana couldn't do anything to get any sort of separation in that game. So that idea, that, that culture of, of toughness, is all throughout the team at Michigan, and that's why Michigan's defense, a big part of it, I think, is why the Michigan defense is so good. Now, the offense isn't very good. Uh, it, it needs a little more Lincoln-Riley creativity to it, and that's my biggest knock on Jim Harbaugh all this time is it's just so bizarre to me that his offenses are always underwhelming, and he's an offensive guy. He's a quarterback. He played quarterback in, in the NFL, and he should be incredibly creative on offense, but he's an old-school guy that clearly just wants to run the football and go through, the, you know, I, I guess not necessarily as much eye formation this season. They're more spread. They go out of the shotgun more with Shea Patterson, to, to his credit. But anyways, I, I guess that's what I wanted to bring up, is, is there is something to that whole idea of that if the culture is all offense, we're going to move the ball like this, we're going to spread things out, maybe the defensive culture is going to also be soft as well. But, but I just thought of this too that kind of knocks down that theory Oklahoma's offense, especially the offensive line, and even the wide receivers blocking, Oklahoma's offense is really tough. I mean, they're physical. That offensive line is awesome. The receivers, specifically CeeDee Lamb, get out, and they can block corners and, and prevent players from getting off them. I mean, that's a physical offense. So it's not like the offense is really soft, because it's not. It's just, the, for whatever reason, the defense is deathly afraid of every single offense it faces, and... That's just game after game after game, year after year of being exposed, stretched, scored 40-plus on. There's so many scars there. And, yeah, it's it's going to take a, a massive culture change again. The word culture is very important, and I think it's apt uh, to get this thing turned around because at the current state, you're just wasting – generational talent on one side of the football and listening to those numbers I said earlier in the show I mean legitimately Oklahoma has like one like I guess there's three there's three units in football offense defense special teams they have they have one and kind of a half because special teams has been okay Whew. Uh, all right so what should we get to now more on the defense uh, you mentioned the run defense earlier I just want to bring this up Neville Gallimore is out against Kansas. We didn't get any updates on on the injuries after the game. Lincoln Riley mentioned that there was tons of injuries since he's been here. His four years here, he's never had this many injuries. But he followed it up with, "Who cares? We still got to play better." The, the fact that he brought up the injuries, I don't. I guess he was just pointing it out. But I know some might see that as him trying to make an excuse, even though he did also follow it up with, "Like, doesn't matter. Who cares?" Let, let's be honest. If this was not against Kansas, I'm sure a lot of those guys could have played. I, I Can't you imagine that a lot of these players were probably held out of this game because it was Kansas and they're trying to make sure everyone is healthy for West Virginia? Uh, meaning, I, I think the injury excuse, not that he was using it as an excuse, but he brought it up. It's not valid because I really do think, and granted, I, don't, I guess I don't have any information, but 
I can't imagine there'd be this many guys out if this was West Virginia on Saturday as opposed to Kansas. What do you think? I honestly have yeah, no okay. idea. There's been a there's been a complete lack of transparency with injuries this season. So I have I have no idea. We don't. I mean, Gallimore's injury, him him walking off the field last week, he looks really ginger. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he's out for the year. God, if, I mean, with, that would with be how horrible. They, with, with how with, with how they communicate with injuries, like I I just have no idea. We didn't even know that Mark Jackson was beat up and yet he didn't play. Um, Khalil Houghton, we still have no idea what happened to him. He's been out for a month now. I mean, I, I just, who knows? They don't, like, I, I'm, I'm starting to point at it too, Lee, because it's getting so crazy. They have so many nagging injuries on defense, and there's no way that they tackle in practice. So what are they doing? And so this is why, this is why I think it's fair to point the finger at the, at the strength and conditioning staff. And I'll bring it up again. There was a lot of Texas people who are saying, you don't know what you're getting yourself into with Benny Wiley. Just nagging injuries were a massive problem when he was at Texas. And, I mean, has that not been a huge problem this year? Yeah, I mean, when Lincoln Riley brings up how this is the most injuries he's seen since he's been here, yeah, that's a problem. So, and I'm I'm telling you, there is no way that they are physical in practice. So this stuff isn't, I mean, so this this has got to be non-contact stuff where it's happening. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I, I, I just, mean, I guess I don't know how college practices work, so I don't know how much they do. I don't know how much hell. I don't know how much hitting Michigan does. I don't know how much hitting Alabama does. Maybe it's a lot. Maybe it's not a whole lot because they don't want to risk injuries either. That's that's yeah, one I thing that I just don't know about. And my lack of experience is a I never played college football and I've never obviously coached in college. So I, I don't know what a good college practice should entail. And so that's why it's difficult for me to really comment strongly on this kind of stuff. It just it doesn't look good. I just don't know the the true reasons for that. If it's bad luck or if it truly is something that you can blame a strength and conditioning staff for. I just I don't know that. It's it's bad luck in one season, Lee. I mean, this has been a thing for almost four or five seasons now. Just going back to even to Jerry Schmidt. I mean, there there is something wrong inside that program right now um, that. At least, at least on one side of the ball, that the other side of the ball being historically good is just is completely covering up. So I, I mean, this is this is why I, I am really advocating now. You you have to get everybody in this program that is associated with this defense. You gotta get them out of here. Every single person associated with the defense. I mean, not the players, obviously, uh, but you you just you, you cannot have any stragglers from that from that uh, philosophy and culture still around. They, they need a full reboot. And so the question becomes, does Lincoln Riley also have that thought, have those thoughts right now? And obviously, he's not going to say anything negatively publicly. The question, I guess, that everyone should be asking is, privately, is Riley planning on cleaning house on the defensive side and we just don't know that yet because obviously he's not going to say anything negative right now he's incredibly close with Ruffin McNeil so that's not going to happen or is everything he's saying publicly truly what he believes privately too which if that's the case that means that he might not have any eyes I, I he looks like he has eyes but he might not have any if he truly believes the things he says publicly, and that's the thing. I mean, as a, as a head coach, there's so many things that he probably wants to say, I would guess, that he can't say, and, and these are things that I didn't even think about that I've heard others say. Think about recruiting, 
what would it look like to potential recruits if you say some super negative things and you know maybe you lose out on some guys i i guess that's that's a thing uh you know i would combat that with well it's football if a recruit is is not wanting to hear negative stuff from a coach then get him out of here anyways because he's soft and you need criticism to play better because anybody that watches Oklahoma's defense knows that it's absolutely terrible so who knows that's the question I, I don't know the answer to that nobody knows the answer to that except for Lincoln Riley so at this point we're just in a wait and see and I mean the next question you have in the rundown is how does this defense recover mentally for West Virginia it doesn't there's zero reason to have any confidence in the defense the only thing you can hope for is that Neville Gallimore is is actually going to be healthy because I, I do think he was important and I think Saturday proved that he's become potentially the best player on the defense because the run defense has been okay since they moved to the even front and Gallimore is out and I think he takes up a lot of double teams a lot of the time and frees up space for others to make tackles and Oklahoma got gashed on Saturday without Gallimore in there so I'm curious to see what would happen or what would have happened if he played against Kansas if, if the running game for the Jayhawks was still that good or, or slightly not as good. So, yeah, I think that's the only thing you can hope for defensively is Gall- get Gallimore back and hope that Will Greer is off. Uh, that's really all you can hope for because if not, West Virginia is going to score a lot of points. And... Uh, if that's the case, you just hope that the Oklahoma defense can then outscore people because can Oklahoma beat West Virginia in Morgantown with this defense? Yes, because the offense is the best in the nation. That's the only reason why. Uh, you you got to get lucky. Yeah, I, um, I, I just I don't know how they're going to pull this one off. I mean, I, I think it's going to take it, it's going to take a legendary performance by the offense at this stage, I think. Right. Which I think, I mean, which is which is where we are. I mean, I think yeah. they're capable. They're, they're. It's possible though. West I think Virginia's they're capable of doing good. it, and you know, we'll see what happens with weather and whatnot. But I mean, this is a, this is a game in which I think OU's offensive line can really assert their dominance. But I, it's just, I'm just not confident at all right now that they're going to be able to get West Virginia off the field. I mean, more than two or three times. Like I just, I don't think. What is it? What can they do? I, I guess the I guess the one thing that you can you can hope for now is that all all of those guys who are out are back. I guess for for Friday, so at least they have a little more depth. Um, I think I, I think you do probably need to really think about. Um, but I, I mean, but his replacements, Parnell Motley. I was going to say you, you do maybe need to seriously consider uh, reducing Trey Norwood's snaps. He was one of the guys who stood out to me as a guy who just who just physically didn't belong on the field on Saturday. I mean, he was getting physically dominated by Kansas's receivers. Um, I, I I don't really know Lee. I, from what we've seen the last three games, there's just I I, I don't know how they're going to get by on defense. Um, and you know this is this is what I was this is what I was scared of when I when I wrote my opening take for for Thursday's pod, Lee, which is why I was going to watch closely with how they reacted to Kansas. And you know what? They reacted poorly pretty much everywhere across the board against Kansas. They looked at, they looked disinterested in times. They turned it over a couple times. The tackling and the effort was awful. Um, so we just go back to it. I mean, they're, they, they talk about championship November, Lee, but hey, man, they, they've, played, they've played two six and five teams 
or a five and six team, a six and five team, and now a three and eight team in November, and they've gotten worse every single week. So I, which is you know the the three years before this, they've played their best football in November, and they just they're playing their worst their worst football of the season right now, going into Morgantown, and I, I just that this really does feel like a team to me, Lee. That's just waiting to be put out of their misery. It it does feel that way, and you mentioned disinterested, uh, not playing well against Kansas, doing all the things that you were afraid that they would do. Lincoln Riley was asked after the game about the playoff, and there was a line of questioning by John Hoover, a really nice reporter. We've talked about him before on the podcast, uh, about how all the teams ahead of Oklahoma on Saturday also won, and you know style points are important, and Riley mentioned that he, you know, they didn't take a step, and basically like the thoughts of other teams and how they played and the playoff and Riley jumped in as Hoover was talking. Uh, and I mean, it wasn't rude or anything like that, but uh, this is, this is Lincoln Riley kind of jumping in as, as John Hoover was talking about all the teams ahead of him that won and, and the playoff, things like that. Uh, this is um, somewhat interesting. See, the answer is going to be just win. I mean, the answer is going to be just keep winning games. I look. I know this. I, I know this wasn't. I know this wasn't a pretty win. I get that. But I mean, wins are wins, and that's that's. I don't care who did what in front of us. I don't care who did what behind us. If we continue to win, then we'll be in a good position, and that's got to be our focus because that's all we can control right now. Would that be a distraction at all if guys are watching those games. Well, if they if they are, then if they are, then they're not listening to us, you know. And I and I think they're listening to us, so they they know the recipe around here. If guys would have watched all that and listened to it two of the last three years, we wouldn't have been in the playoffs those years either. And so we know the recipe. Now we got to go do it. Knowing it and doing it are two different things. So we, we know we got to control play into the, our best capability because we haven't done that yet. So I had a question for you, Grant, after listening to that soundbite. What, uh, let's see, I haven't even thought about this yet super, super clearly. So it says we just got to win, we know the recipe. And a season ago, at this point in the season, Oklahoma did control its own destiny. Oklahoma knew you, you went out, you're going to be in the playoff. And we both thought that Oklahoma probably should have been the number one seed in the playoff. Their resume was great. This year, they showed a graphic during the game of a few teams in the top eight, I think, in the college football playoff. And they also put how many top 25 wins each team had. Oklahoma has zero this year. And They've won. Iowa State like, is a top twenty-five win. They screwed up. Well, no, they were they were counting it as at the time. Okay, that's garbage. That's a terrible metric. It doesn't matter what they were ranked at the time. So, I mean, that's that's absolutely irrelevant. Well, I mean, it kind of does matter what they're ranked at the time. I mean, you could at the time. Are you kidding me? Does it matter that like so, okay, who was highly ranked? Auburn was highly ranked at the beginning of the season. I think when LSU beat them, they were like number five in the country. Is that, is that should that count as a win over the number five team in the country? No. Eh, maybe half credit. Like, I, I'm sorry, but Washington State in there is getting credit for their home win over Oregon, and Oregon's 6-5 and five and, a, and a mediocre team. They're not uh, ranked right now. Okay, I mean, so yeah, like, I, I, just, I certainly, yeah, I, I'm with you on a lot of that. I sp- okay, well, then I would have liked to see the, the graphic then top 25 teams now, I guess. I mean, so, okay, so maybe, maybe me bringing that up was not the best argument. All right, so, but still, I think the resume, though, for Oklahoma is not great. Uh point being though all right so what would be a what needs to happen to assure that Lincoln Riley is a hundred percent aware that this defense 
prevented Oklahoma from accomplishing its goals. Either disaster against West Virginia, the Mountaineers put up 50 or whatever, and Oklahoma can't outscore West Virginia. The Sooners lose their second game of the year and are effectively eliminated from the college football playoff. And I think I think a loss to West Virginia would knock Oklahoma out of the, the Big 12 title game, too. I think... Yeah, it would. They have to. They they have to win this game. All right. So unless unless Kansas beats Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen. So, so okay. Either that scenario happening, or Oklahoma beating West Virginia. Oklahoma winning the Big Twelve title game, putting themselves in a, in a spot where the Sooners are what twelve and one, but are left out of the college football playoff. Because you hear the playoff committee chair talk about how, listen, there's all these 12 and one teams and whatever. There's teams that are equal, and Oklahoma is just we don't even take them seriously because they can't play any defense. Look at their numbers; they're they're even worse than they were last year. Which one would make it to where Lincoln Riley is like, all right, wow, that that truly screwed us this year? I'm not so sure the answer to that because I think if if Oklahoma does win out, that's the recipe. He could almost make the argument, well. We did all we could do, and and we we got overlooked by the playoff committee. That's on them. We we did our jobs. The playoff needs to have more teams or something like that. It's it's ridiculous. And he, in a way, he'd have a bit of an argument there. What what do you think about? I'm throwing all this random stuff out there. Have you thought about any of this stuff yet? Yeah, I mean, it would be in the event that that West Virginia just comes out on Friday night and blows their doors off. I think would be the I think would be the biggest. Um, you know, driving force to them making a, a change because think about it. Then they would be, they'd presumably, they'd still probably be in a in a New Year's Six bowl in that scenario. Um, in fact, they'd probably be in the Peach Bowl playing the Group of Five team. They'd probably play UCF, I would guess, in that situation in a bowl game. Um, I, you know, crap. I I don't know. I mean, who it's in in that scenario they wouldn't play until like January. So I think in that you'd probably get a defensive coordinator hired. I would guess in that span so maybe that would sort of stretch it out but like I, I mean I don't know I mean the defense is so awful that I just I, if if he doesn't already feel that way then I, I don't really know what I know what I else know. is going to do it I know so, and- but I just I'm but I, I I wrote my opening take on on Thursday Lee because I just wanted to get everyone mentally prepared for it I just I I think they might get they might get the the, the crap kicked out of them on Friday against West Virginia and I'm, I'm being dead they, they might lose by three touchdowns they might, but they're not going to. The offense is too good. I mean, if they if they didn't lose that Texas game by three or four scores and came back, I mean, the they're offense, not going to lose to the West offense Virginia. is still the offense has still had trouble with composure this year, and no, I mean, I, I guess mean, I guess it's they have it's, they have at times twelve. For sure. The offense knows the defense is absolutely horrible. It'll be prepared. It'll know that they're going to have to outscore them, and. Nah, aside just, from a, seen, a, a Hall of Fame bad game from Kyler Murray, which we saw him kind of get that out of the way against Texas Tech it's just I, I I don't I don't see them getting blown out it's just I'm not gonna say that I mean West Virginia just lost to Oklahoma State that's another thing too what's West Virginia playing for they had their the big the, their their first big 12 title and their first win ever against Oklahoma one week 12. after getting their national championship dreams crushed against a a team that was barely 500 or 500. Yeah, and okay, yeah, Lee, West Virginia is not a national championship or bust program. You don't think they're still going to be fired up about potentially winning the Big 12? They will be, but I think that's significant, though. The fact that 
Oklahoma's got a lot more to play for this game than West Virginia. And it was going to be even until Oklahoma State beat them. Yeah, but at the same time, this this Oklahoma the mentality of this Oklahoma team is clearly in the dumpster. Oh yeah, I, I don't. Oh, well, on you don't, defense, you don't you don't come out against Kansas like that, especially on defense. And and that this team is the psyche of this team is broken right now. And I just unless we're gonna, I if OU comes out and is impressive and plays well on Friday against West Virginia, then I, I think we we need to tip our caps to Lincoln Riley because I think he, he would be a, a miracle worker in that sense I just this this team does not look appear ready at all to go on the road on a Friday night in front of a hostile crowd against an elite offense and pull out the win right now they just they they have not shown anything in the month of November that would suggest they're ready to do that and honestly they haven't really done anything the entire season that suggests they're ready to do that well, it's just the records show that I'm still, even after that debacle on Saturday, I'm a lot more positive about West Virginia than you are because, and I'm the biggest West Virginia guy of the, on this podcast. I, you know, I, you were questioning them all in the off season and I was high on them and, you know, I, I knew that eh, it's West Virginia. There's a chance I'm wrong, but Hey, I mean, I'm still really confident in my top four in the big 12. I think I might nail it right on the head, the top four teams, depending on if Oklahoma can win uh, at the same time though. It's just, I still think that Oklahoma can win this game. I don't think it's it's a it's an automatic loss. No, I mean, I, I, I think they can. I'm just saying. Like I, I feel like we've seen this script before. This game just really, to me, feels a lot like uh, if you want to go back to um, when they had to go on the road for Bedlam at the end of the season in 2011, the year that OSU was left out of the national title game. This game just feels a lot like that one All right. to me. Yeah, and I'm. I just I, I I I can sense it happening, but also at the same time, I don't think it's a bad take to think that OU's offense is going to come in and assert their their will and just dominate the game. I don't I don't think it's a bad take. That could certainly happen. I just well, it's the, tough because you I can think you can that's, you can only take on so much water before the no, dam I, breaks. I get it. And, I get that, and and I'm with you. And I just even though I have these positive thoughts about the offense, and that's why Oakland can still win. I'm not so sure it's a good thing though because it's still covering up the horrible defense and Lincoln Riley continues to just use the we just got to win hey we won and it's like just winning is obviously not enough when you see how you're winning and it's just weird to to have that as an excuse because it's not it, basically every other team in college football would not be winning these games because of the defense and so it's another thing it just goes back to what I was saying earlier it's what Lincoln Riley says publicly is it the same things he actually thinks privately I hope not. I hope not. That's as simple as I can put it. And so, you know, I mean, he is a, I mean, he, a lot of the times he, he sounds like Bob Stoops up there. And Bob Stoops was not a guy who was really ever honest in a press conference setting. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I, we're, we're at the point where um, obviously this, this hire in the offseason for Lincoln Riley Lee is, is going to determine his success level at Oklahoma. Obviously, because I mean, if they if he bungles this higher, then I, I think you can pretty much uh, you can pretty much write the book on his tenure at OU. I think. You got any thoughts on the offense, Kennedy Brooks? Another nice game. Trey Sermon out. One of those injuries. Isn't it weird with Trey Sermon? He he seems to get through all of these awful looking injuries, but as soon as he gets one that does doesn't look bad at all, he's out for the rest of the game. That's one of those injuries where I'm 
convinced that if this was West Virginia, he'd have been able to go. I just think it's maybe we got to get this guy healthy. I mean, he had a boot on and it's like, all right. Yeah, he's looking like he maybe he has some sort of leg injury or foot injury, but it's like or maybe they just put it on there and he was kind of nicked up. It's like, okay, make sure this boots on there. So when he's walking around the sidelines, he doesn't do anything to twist it (laughs) or (laughs) get stepped on. (laughs) Keep that keep that foot nice and tight and packed. I'm, I can't imagine he won't be ready to go against West Virginia. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I thought the offense was good. Um, the The only time they were stopped was was Kennedy's fumble and then Kyler's pick, so they didn't punt at all in this game. And was the fumble um, – was that – should that have been called down? I didn't see a lot of – yeah, I mean, I, I could see where people were coming from. I, I think there was an argument there, but I, I don't know kind of like what what determines because – he like the ball had started to be pulled from like his chest before his knee was down, but he still had the ball theoretically in his hands. I thought when the knee was down, but I mean it was bang bang. I, I mean I, I I didn't have too much of an issue with them upholding. Perhaps it. it's the classic. It was ruled a fumble on the field. There's not enough evidence to overturn that rulings. It seems like that's what it was, and the interception was bad. That was a bad pick by Kyler. He just didn't see that defender covering the flats. And that can't happen against West Virginia because Oklahoma's not going to be afforded the opportunity to really punt the football in that game, one would think, <laughs> or yeah. turn it over. I don't know. Ailey, did you? I, I don't know how much of the, the Oklahoma State West Virginia game that you watched, but. Oh, I um, watched that game pretty closely because I didn't have as much going on in the afternoon, so I was able to. Mm-hmm. To watch that one pretty tight, actually. Okay, so does and so it looks like one of the stories of that game it looks like AJ Green kind of just completely shut down David Sills. David Sills Did that didn't happen? do. I'm trying to think. He didn't do anything in that game. Now that I think about it. And from what I was, and from kind of what they were taught, because I watched the end of the game, obviously, when with you know, because it was it was a great ending to the game, uh, and they were one of the sto- They they went over you know, a recap of the game. And they, they said that was one of the stories was AJ green on David Sills. And they said they, you know, he had been really physical with him. Um, and, and still struggled with that, man, that would be, it'd be really nice if they had some physical corners on their roster. Oh, you, that is because it looks like, I mean, there's the, there's the, the blueprint for, for disrupting David Sills. It looks like well, that's, what's interesting about Oklahoma but, is that you watch other teams in the big 12 who also have bad defenses. Oklahoma state's defense is bad. But they're not afraid to challenge their players to be physical and aggressive. And A.J. Green and Rodarius Williams, the two cornerbacks, are incredibly inconsistent players. But the referees were allowing A.J. Green to play physically, play physically, play physical <laughs> in that game. And there was replays where he was grabbing and pushing and, and tugging. And normally in the Big 12, it seems like the referees call pass interference all the time. And they don't let defenders play defense. They were letting him play defense in that game. And when I say play defense, I mean commit penalties a lot of the times. And he was getting away with it. And there was one play later on in the game when David Sills obviously pushed off of A.J. Green to get separation and made a catch, a back shoulder throw, and it wasn't called. It was the officials let that go too. And Bob Greasy, the announcer, was saying, well, I mean, that's the first time David Sills has actually kind of fought back at A.J. Green and and got physical with him. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, yeah, but – he was committing a penalty and AJ Green's been committing penalties all game. This is just guys committing penalties. This is horrible. Like figure it out. I mean, so that's why AJ Green was able to be so physical is that he was able to get away with a lot. 
which I'm not so sure that's going to happen uh, against West Virginia in Morgantown. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. They're the lead. The, the corners are not going to be physical with David Sills in that. Yeah, game. that's so true. Like it's, so it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was I was just saying. But the it thing would is, be the nice corners they, for West Virginia and the DBs for West Virginia will be physical with Oklahoma's receivers, and we'll see if Oklahoma yeah, gets they will get some calls because West Virginia's they have those aggressive players too that that will try to shut people down. I mean, Tylen Wallace had two touchdowns, but he only had seven catches for sixty-two yards against West Virginia. They never hit a, a big-time long shot play in that game, it seemed like. Uh, Tyron Johnson had a 38-yarder, but honestly, I don't even remember that. I bet I bet West Virginia is in a is, is in two deep safeties this entire game on Friday, I bet, with, just, with, with hoping just to get OU off the field two or three times, and I bet they think they can win if they do that. Put it this way. West Virginia's defensive game plan is going to be a lot better than Oklahoma's defensive game plan because Tony Gibson is an aggressive defensive coordinator that has been there for a while, and West Virginia's defense has not been great this year, but it's been serviceable. And put it this way, if West Virginia, if that defense was on Oklahoma's side, I think you and I and everybody else would be a lot more confident in Oklahoma's national championship chances because even though West Virginia's defense, again, is not very good, it's so much better than Oklahoma's defense, and it shows the willingness to change things and be aggressive and bring the fight to the offense. And sometimes it doesn't work, but when it comes to a game plan scenario, you can have a little more confidence in that than Ruffin McNeil on that side of the ball for Oklahoma right now. I think that's pretty fair to say. Yeah, I guess my my thoughts on the game on Saturday or on Friday just kind of come down to we're at the point where I, I do have more confidence in West Virginia's defense stopping OU than I do vice versa. And I think that's that's a pretty sad place to be in, especially considering the pedigree of OU's offense. Any other thoughts on the Oklahoma offense? Once again, it's a podcast where we don't talk about the OU offense much at all because the defense just dominates and the offense is so good. Anything else you want to add? If not, we'll get to three-word no. reviews. I mean, a lot of my thoughts are just on the – one of my thoughts is, I mean, Kansas on defense is just a much better coach team than OU on defense. Um, I thought Kansas actually did some things, some interesting, some some interesting things on defense too, with just like kind of some pressures that they showed, um, and it looks like they're they they at times can play some pretty sound zone defense as well. Judging by a, a couple of picks that Kyler probably should have thrown as well, um, I mean that, that's really it. I thought I thought the offense was good. I mean they didn't. It was Kansas didn't really stop them. It was just the two turnovers, and that was it. All right, let's do the three word reviews. We'll get. Our three-word reviews from Twitter first, and once again, some great, great three-word reviews. Oh, you know what? I just realized, crap. I have not formulated my three-word review yet. Do you have yours? Yeah, I got one. All right, go ahead and, and give yours and maybe explain it a second, and I'm going to take 10 to 15 seconds to think of one off the top of my head. I, I, I was overthinking this last night, trying to think of like the perfect one, but now that I'm up against it, I'll just come up with something that's uh, probably not as good, but it'll be passable. What about so? What's yours, Lee? My three-word review is based off of how I think all of us should just kind of view this season going forward, and that is Kyler for Heisman. This is just the Kyler. This is the Kyler Murray season, and I think we should just try to direct all of our our emotions and our thoughts towards that. This has been a fun season watching Kyler Murray. He's I, he's the best player in college football. 
Um, and he should he should win the Heisman Trophy. And he's probably not going to. Uh, but this is this is very similar to how I I decided to look at the 2016 season, Lee. Um, and that was the year when they lost to Houston and, and Ohio State in September, and their playoff hopes were shot at that point. I just decided to have fun watching all of the all of the weapons that they had on on offense with Baker and D.D. Westbrook and Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. And this is how I'm, I'm I'm choosing to look at this season. This is just the the fun Kyler Murray season. That's a good one, and that's actually a three word review that I was thinking about going with as well. And it's appropriate considering that a few days ago Oklahoma and Kyler Murray unleashed their Kyler for Heisman campaign, if you will, with the Bo Jackson ish picture and everything like that. So Kyler Murray is the best player in college football. He should win the Heisman Trophy. Like you said, he probably won't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to give it to Tua just yet. You never know. I mean, there could be one of those things where people really do dive more into it and realize how important he's been and how awesome he's been. Uh, but yeah, if he if, if he has like a legendary performance at West Virginia, I, I think he could put himself in a position where he could win yeah. it in Morgantown with like an amazing performance. Okay. So my three-word review is, do they practice? With a question mark. Obviously, talking about the defense. I know, not great, but it legitimately looks like Oklahoma's defense doesn't practice, doesn't watch any film, has no idea what the opposing team's going to do. And Yeah, they can't even get lined up. And yeah, they, we're seeing that come up again confusion unable to get lined up and I thought everything was supposed to be more simple now with Ruffin McNeil and yeah that was Lee and if, if you ever do go back and rewatch this game that was a that was a massive problem as well along with the tackling oh, they're they were trouble getting lined up against Kansas <laughs> yeah I mean there were there were uh, there were a bunch of oh. instances where you could tell that Kansas came out and something that confused them and it usually is it it seems to me, Lee, they get confused when they stack receivers on, on one side or three or more receivers on one side. They have no idea what to do in those situations, oh. which is which is hilarious at this point, but they just they have no clue what to do. I, it makes you wonder if any of those defensive players are, are thoughtful enough and smart enough to internalize and think, what's going Like, we need to do more here, or we got to watch more tape, or... It's just, it's tough though because these are just college kids. They don't know as much about football as the coaches. They're not as experienced. They don't really know what to look for. And let's be honest, they don't even know as much about football and college stuff as you and I do because you know what? We're older than all of them. And although we've never played college football, we've seen it a lot more than they have. And we understand the game maybe in a lot of ways more than they do. That's why the coaches are in charge of getting them in good spots to make plays and it's been a failure over and over and over again. All right. To the three-word reviews. Our cousin James, with a Kansas-related three-word review off the bat. Mad Hatter, baby. Less miles to Kansas, Grant. I think that broke officially on Sunday here today as we record. Yeah, that's weird. It's going to be really intriguing to see how that works out. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. He's going to have to build the roster back up with talent. I don't know. He's not. I wouldn't be, after his stint at LSU. I wouldn't have a ton of confidence for of him to do that, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But guess we'll see. 
Next three-word review is from Caden McFarlane. Caden, sports director at KJRH-TV in Tulsa. Great guy, Caden. He's got a great three-word review that I certainly agree with. I'm sorry to say, but I agree with it. Stop playoff talk. I mean, Oklahoma's not a playoff team right now. Nobody can argue that. They stink, and it's because of the defense. Garrett's three-word review, fire Mike Stoops. Again, I never know if these are jokey tweets or if they really or if they're defending Mike Stoops. I don't know which one they are. I, I don't like them because Mike Stoops is still the reason why the defense is like this. He set the culture the way it is and the philosophy. So yeah, he's gone and the defense still sucks. But it's not like, oh, Mike Stoops, he was actually great. No. He was deteriorating and he was not getting this team into a good spot. So I do you do you get as bothered as I do about the fire Mike Stoops tweets and Facebook posts stuff like that, or is it just me? Nah, I think they're just dumb jokes. All right. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you, I guess I always I take them as an implication that oh, actually Mike Stoops was really good and he shouldn't have been fired, which is stupid. No, I think they're just no, they're just jokes. I think they're the the whole joke, you know, with basically being everyone thought firing Mike Stoops was. You know what's going to fix everything, and it obviously hasn't. Okay. I think that's what he's playing off there. Not, I, I don't think any. There's, there's nobody in their right mind. I think who thinks that Mike Soup should still be here. All right. Well, that's Garrett's three-word review. Thanks for chiming in, Dylan Puka. Still running. Mm-hmm. Michael's three-word review: forty to Kansas, and then he has the ampersand, basically shocked even though i would say shocked he's just pointing out that that's embarrassing steven stefan sorry i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing your name correctly more on puka williams his three-word review puka williams magic <laughs> billy more of a positive win two more all right speaking of positive billy is going to go the positive route as well thank you boys I can read the rest of Billy's tweet just to describe or explain his review. It's because he says, yes, they're boys doing the absolute best they can. That I am sure. I'm also sure they would love to be in National Hunt, but we cannot be too critical of a one-loss season at this point. Thank you, and God bless you. If that helps you get through Oklahoma football, Billy, then more power to you. I think that's, that's the correct outlook, I think, as a fan, if you want to stay sane, I think. That outlook or the outlook that you have, Kyler for Heisman, just enjoy Kyler Murray in the offense and understand that the defense is probably going to cost you. But you know what? It's really fun to watch Kyler Murray, and we're spoiled as Oklahoma fans knowing that Kyler Murray and Lincoln Riley are, are running plays and calling plays. Yeah, I think a lot of, this is this is just sort of the feelings, Lee, that expectations breed, especially at Oklahoma. If Oklahoma State was having this season, if they were ten and one right now with an atrocious defense and an amazing offense, I'm sure they would be having the time of their lives currently. Uh, it's just this is, you know, an, another notch in that column for people who say you you shouldn't go into a college football fandom thinking all you want is national championships. Because this is the type of season you get. They're ten and one with everything seemingly still ahead of them, and we want to pull our hair out because they're not. They're seemingly not national title good. When, and I hate. I you know I. It, it makes me dirty making this argument too, Lee. I mean, there's. 
what, there's five or six programs in the country where this isn't acceptable this season right now? Sure. I've given more thought to that whole take, and I still think it's stupid. It's a loser mentality. People, you got to have high standards. Oklahoma's got high standards. Yeah, I'm just... So if that's the way more, you feel about is, college football, if, especially if you're an Oklahoma fan, then raise your standards. Lee, no, it's it's not. It's about just keeping yourself sane. Well, okay, the idea I get that, being, but it still is college football and sports. It it shouldn't drive you that insane. It's just, come on, it's sports. It's not that big of a deal. Sure, I mean, but the the idea of just checking out and not caring once a national championship is off the table is. You know, it's 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 kind of silly. There's yeah. there's more to college football than to winning national championships. If so, it, it it wouldn't be the second most popular sport in the country if that wasn't the case. Yeah, I realize I'm in the minority on this one, and also I blame the NCAA and the college football playoff because if there was more playoff teams, then more people would be interested and more teams have a chance to win the title. We'll save that discussion for later. Gus's three word review. We're still on Twitter. Gus goes with. Why, why, why? <laughs> Nathan's three-word review, no defensive standards. Certainly, I agree. David Leak, his three-word review, yards per rush. We mentioned earlier, <laughs> nearly 10 yards per rush by Kansas. <laughs> God. Uh, Perch's three-word review, defense is disgraceful. Or he goes with, Offense deserves better. Perch's three-word reviews, both very good. Dakota, getting a little more negative. Screw the defense. <laughs> and uh, dude from Edmond, uh, he goes with defense sucks, expletive. This is a family podcast, so I won't say it, but I think you guys can all fill in the blank there. Thanks for all the Twitter three-word review, guys. We have more on Facebook, I'll go through right now. Amy on Facebook, Kansas scored 40. Uh, TJ, well, TJ, I asked you to keep it clean, TJ, and you're not keeping it clean. I'll clean it up for you, though. Uh, I don't even know if I can clean this up. Effing expletive show. That's my best. And TJ adds... TJ goes back to his We Want Bama three-word review, but he also puts ha, ha, ha. TJ famously said We Want Bama, I think, a week or two ago. <laughs> Let's see. I'm trying to make sure I, I do the the best one last. Um, I got to give credit to Mark here. Mark playing off of our now dead segment on the show. Mark says, cross him off. That's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. I thought that was a good one. Trey. Kyler knows defense with a question mark. <laughs> that's the play on there. The hashtag, the Kyler knows hashtag. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Wow. That's another good. Good on you, Trey. I'm, I need to get with it. I'm out to lunch sometimes. Do you know, do you, do you know why they come? They came up with that hashtag? You know, yeah, the, the bow knows. Yeah. Or no, do you know Bo? I think was the. I think it was Bo knows. I think wasn't that the. Was it? I th I thought it was. No, it was. You don't know Bo was like the the big thing when in the eighties when he was coming up. But I Bo knows was according to Wikipedia that was the advertising campaign though. Oh, 
Oh, it was a thing. Okay, so I, th- I think you don't know. Bo, I think was the the thirty for thirty. Oh, uh, okay. That I think that's what it was called. So okay, yeah, I, I didn't know that. Warren with a, <laughs> I love all these question mark ones. And I guess I had a question mark on mine, but they're funny. Warren goes, "We outscored Kansas." <laughs> That's good. Um, Sydney, enough of Fido. Agree. Playing off of Ruffin McNeil's favorite mantra of Fido. Wes says, get past West Virginia. Or I guess to keep it three words, he says, get past WVU. He spells past, though, like throwing the ball. P-A-S-S-E-D. So I don't know if he's playing on like West Virginia is going to pass the ball all the way around and actually Oklahoma is going to get killed by West Virginia. Or if he's trying to say actually P A S T like get past West Virginia as in go beat West Virginia. I don't know. You're getting us to think on this one, Wes. I appreciate that. Let's see four more left. Actually there's a Wes has multiple three word reviews. He's coming in hot. So Wes after that one goes chance for redemption and then in parentheses, he puts Texas. So I guess West get it. So maybe maybe he didn't mean get past West Virginia as in get past the Mountaineers to get on to the Big 12 title game against Texas. But then West gets a little more negative. He says, forget the playoff. <laughs> uh, he also then more negative. He says overhaul next year. So I guess it is more negative and positive. Speaking of the defense there. And finally, going super positive. I can't imagine this happening, but Wes goes with his final three-word review. Hope Kyler returns. Uh, Ain't no way Kyler Murray's coming back next year, Grant, if the defense is going to be this way. Oh, I don't... I think people trying to talk themselves into him coming back already are kind of foolish. That's not happening. No way. The only way Kyler Murray comes back is if he gets denied the Heisman Trophy even though he thinks he should have won it, which he should win it, and or they don't win a national title. Because that's why Kyler Murray's playing football right now, everybody. It's to win a national title. I think that's number one. I really do think that's number one. And also to win a Heisman Trophy. Those two things is, is why Kyler Murray is playing college football right now. And he may just come up short on both of them. I mean, barely, even though he should win the Heisman Trophy. And that's got to be really frustrating for him. And, you know... I don't think he's going to come back. It's just the baseball and all the millions of dollars. There's got to be something in that contract with the A's. But then again, that contract's – who knows what's in that contract? There could be language to where Kyler Murray could legitimately come back. We just have no idea what it says. But that's a that's a, a story that I guess pay attention to later on. Right now, Oklahoma's got at least two more games left and maybe more. I guess we'll find out. So those are our three-word reviews. Grant, any other thoughts on uh, the state of Oklahoma football right now? No, I mean, I just, I, they're going to need quite a bit of flip, I think, of attitude and effort in order to pull off the the game against West Virginia on on uh, on Friday. It's gonna it, it's gonna take a pretty special effort from them, I think, to or you know from the offense to turn that around because I just. There's uh there's something sick I think in the program right now and it's obviously mostly on one side of the ball all on one side of the ball uh but you know that can infect the entire program and I think we we might th- that might be what we're seeing right now I just I'm it, it's going to take a, a hell of an effort for them to beat West Virginia I think 
One final thought, though, that I just thought of, and it's based off of some of the stuff that you put here in the rundown. The last part you brought up is just the playoff stuff. And you asked the question, will Washington State jump Oklahoma in the playoff rankings? Washington State, blowout win over Arizona. So I think that that's actually a pretty good question because will the playoff rankings, let's say that does happen. Let, I, I guess put it this way. Will this week's playoff rankings give us an idea of whether or not Oklahoma still has a chance to make the playoff. Meaning, if Washington State does jump Oklahoma, let's say they move up past LSU and Oklahoma drops to eight or nine, is that the college football playoff committee essentially saying, you know what, guys, even if you do win out, we're probably not going to put you in the playoff? Uh, maybe, but I, I still think they would get quite a bit of credit for a road win against West Virginia and then beating Texas. Uh, I... Yeah, I, I really do actually still think that um, OU just needs Michigan to lose, and I think they'll, prob- they'll probably play and, and win out, obviously, and I still think they'd get in. All right. That's something to, to check on as uh, the weeks progress, and I got to say, Grant, Although, I got to credit. Texas, you said Texas was their offense is playing well, and you know what, Texas, that's an impressive win over Iowa State Saturday. The defense showed up, Iowa State couldn't do anything and the offense was good enough against a good Iowa State defense I you know what credit to Texas that's a that's a nice win I I thought Iowa State would win that game straight up and Texas took care of business at home so you know what congratulations to Texas that that was a result that I did not see coming yeah and actually watching some of that game too and and Chase it made me feel Ellinger was injured for a lot of the game too yeah yeah watching that game made me feel pretty foolish taking Iowa State Purdy was was just begging to kind of be be uh, to be brought back down to earth a little bit. So, and he he was not good last night. Looking at the teams that Purdy had faced this season, the best defense he had seen is definitely West Virginia, and that was that home game where Iowa State's defense basically took over. Yeah, Purdy was pretty good in that game. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, West Virginia's defense isn't very good, though. So, te- te- Texas, no, Texas I mean, had a get-right game on defense against Iowa State. So, good on Texas because that had been a pretty leaky defense for a month. Yeah, oh, yeah. They had been they had, uh, they had had arguably had a worse stretch than OU had had. God, that's bizarre. That is bizarre. All right, that does it for this episode of West of Everest. Grant and I will be back later this week. Let's see. You know what? This is going to be an interesting week because we have a Friday game, so we might have to do the podcast a day earlier. Hmm. Okay, so the podcast might come out a day earlier this week. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll Maybe we'll put an update on Facebook. Who knows? Uh, either way, you'll get our West Virginia preview. Uh, until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.